biggest audience we've never had. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. All right. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. No. Fellows out of the fellowship. Can we talk about your hair in space first? So this just... I don't even know where this came from. I don't know if everyone's seen Chris, but he's shaved. Real talk. He's never gone without facial hair since I've known him. 30 years. And he took his earrings out, which, was that part of the deal? No, that was a different deal. Oh. It it just happened. And then the hat is is gone. So you're like, I I, I don't even recognize you, really. Yeah, it's the same Culmination of many deals. I'm just evolving and mutating and morphing. Nice. You look like you might have found Jesus. (laughs) But I really like it. (laughs) I really Uh, like it. You do. He looks... It looks good. All right. Well, thank yeah. you. you um, You're a handsome man, Chris. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's what's going to happen, everybody. Now that we've got that out of the way. Yep. Um, <clears throat> we, we're, we're just going to say hi and bye. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to introduce uh, your two guest hosts, yeah. bringing the number of hosts of this show to five. Yep. Uh, Claire, Rudy Foster, and Christy Coulter. And uh, I'm going to let them... Introduce themselves. Give their yeah. bona fides. Okay. And, uh, but this yeah, is exciting. Was this there is a, exciting. Yeah. Real quick, is there, how did this evolve? How did, how this, did this evolve? Okay. Just a little backstory. Yeah. Backstory. How did this happen? Yeah. Well, um, our ratings went down. The no, program director no. came and said, that's just I'll tell you these, what. they're so much fucking better than we are. You guys. <laughs> our, our ratings have been phenomenal. <laughs> oh, good. I think these two on this show are, are going to crush us. Yes. That's I, all do, there is. I agree. And, um, they're both terrific guests. They're just, you yeah. know, Going to, they both were terrific guests. They're yes. going to be probably amazing yeah. hosts. We're ready to be seeing this as live, folks. Live radio. <laughs> oh, Not everybody can do it. Not damn. everybody. Um, but uh, no pressure. You oh, All right. So let's just let's, let's here we go. Here we go. All right. We're muting ourselves and saying hi to them. Hey. <coughs> we're saying hi to them. Oh hi. Oh. We already said. Oh hi. hello. Hey. Hello. Hey ladies. Hi. Hey. <laughs> All right. So the one thing you two are going to probably need to do is is differentiate uh, your voices early on. We we figured that okay. out for a long time. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> um, just let, let people know who they're hearing, just because we they, people used to not know who we were forever. So uh, and I okay. want to make sure everybody knows who they're hearing. But I think if you've been if you heard what I said, I'm going to let you give your bona fides and uh, and introduce yourselves because okay. I just I I. I mangle it every time and i've already mangled each of your introductions once already so um cool i think we're gonna turn it over you? to you i yeah. didn't know that yeah well oh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure when you were on I'm, I'm, it's, Offended. It's, a, it's a given that i mangle the introductions it's yeah. a thing okay um that's all right so uh okay. yeah did you, you really can, shave your beard i did shave my beard and that's not a metaphor or a euphemism <laughs> Wow, but it is a metaphor. Yeah, it's in time a, it, for, it seems like a bad choice right, <laughs> right. before a seasonal change. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think you to catch yeah. cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your head's gonna be cold. At least now. I don't have. Oh, uh, oh, well. I don't have tan lines though, which was a bonus. So that would have been awkward. <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> I always thought he had a lip tat. 
Yeah, and that so. was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, loco. Yeah, does that say vegan? What yeah. is that? Yeah. <laughs> With an arrow pointing to your mouth? <laughs> what? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, cool. Guys, All this right. Is like a morning zoo right now. It it's is like, like a morning zoo. zoo. We're gonna do great. Uh, right. We're gonna <laughs> get in the pressure. in the chopper, and uh, we'll be up there if you need us. Good luck, ladies. Have fun. Okay. okay. Thank Everybody. you. Sounds, sounds groovy. Count Fire us in. Bye, See you in an hour. Bye. 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 Are they going to come back in an hour and tell us, like, how they're going to grade us? Like, they're just imitating us right us. now. Yeah. Hello, Claire. Hello, Chris. <laughs> now I'm worried that I need to, like, like I'll do my Swedish chef voice or something. Like, do you have one of those? Well, actually, no, it's Beaker. You know, Beaker from the oh, Muppets. Like, it would just my be God. me being like, me, 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 me. Flower, <laughs> <laughs> which would probably be really, really well, well received. We wanted to talk about Anjali, but really what we're going to do yes. is an hour of Muppets impersonation. Fuck, <laughs> <But>, yeah. <laughs> Mostly Beaker. Beaker. This one goes out to Beck. <laughs> right. Right. Shit. Oh, so we're supposed to introduce ourselves. So yeah, we're supposed to introduce ourselves. I figured we'd like you know get into the the you know writing cred stuff later, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't sound very alike. I don't think there's any danger of people no. mixing us up. No, if they do, that's 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 the well. you deserve what you get. <laughs> <laughs> well. So what are my non-writing bona fides? I'm Christy. Um, mm-hmm. I live in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't drink. <laughs> okay. Checks <laughs> <And> out. <laughs> checks out. <laughs> or anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, I am a writer and uh, with a day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, a, at a tech company. And I have two dogs and a husband. Aw. It's funny is that this I, today your anniversary? It is. I've been married. Oh my god, happy anniversary. You. It's so weird. I don't feel old enough to have been married that long. Yeah, that's no, it's like really did you get married when you were five? What happened? No, I went no, I if twenty seven six, so twenty six, which that's at the time amazing. seemed kind of normal, you know, like it was yeah. living together for five years. It's not unusually mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. thing, but um but yeah, it just I'm like it just doesn't I don't know. It's creeping me out. Well, okay. Let me ask you as someone who's like blissfully divorced, but would like to get married again someday. Not that anyone's ever asked me. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what's the secret? How do you, how do you get 20 years with one person? So it's interesting. I was thinking about this today and part of it is I just think, I mean, I don't believe there's one right person for, you know, Mm -hmm. like this soulmate like <laughs> this sounds kind of funny like I think I could have been happy with lots of people <laughs> <laughs> so bite me <laughs> but I do Aww. think I do think that there was something like I met him my first night of college um, oh, wow yeah like I um I mean I didn't go out with him for another four years but, <laughs> but you met him right off the bat I met him right off the bat and it's actually kind of a funny story because I went to a party at his room and um he opened the door and said hi do you drink? Those are his the first words he ever said to Whoa. me. And I was like, yes. And it was, you know, 20 years later, here we are. Um, neither one of us drinks anymore. But um, I think for us, part of it, this is going to sound, I don't mean this to sound like it's a blanket statement, but for us, I think kind of forgetting to have children was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
it was not so much an intentional thing. Is it just kind of, you know, at some point we were like, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, so we have less pressure on the domestic front. We both have pretty intense careers and yeah. now, especially with my writing, you know, um, mm-hmm. but at home, it's kind of easier to just, you know, just hang out. Mm-hmm. And we've never been sort of welded together the way I see some couples. You know, you these couples who are like, well, it's the weekend, so we have to go to Costco and we've got to do this and we've got to do this. We, 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 we. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have our own hobby. <clears throat> We do stuff together, mm-hmm. we do stuff apart, but um, mm-hmm. so it's like basically not having children and not yeah. spending too much time together. <laughs> that sounds I mean, great to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, I'm I'm 32 and, yeah. um, you know, what got married when I was 23 and knew everything yeah. and right. then immediately got pregnant and now I have an eight-year-old. Yeah. And it's been interesting, like, because my marriage broke up when I was, like, 26. You know, it's mm-hmm. your standard issue, like, holy shit, what, what was I thinking? What am I doing? Right. I'm out of here. You're a terrible bastard, and I'm taking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm taking what I can, and I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, and thank God that all worked out. But, you know, it's been interesting seeing the peaks and valleys in other people's marriages and in yeah. their relationships, seeing who makes it, you know, who's still married. Um, yeah. you know, when you get married at 23, like, like you said, suddenly at 26 and 27, people are really coupling up. And then oh, now absolutely. at my age, my friends are starting to have babies and they're all, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. Right. Um, no so in knows. a way, like, I'm, I'm really glad that I, I mean, in some, like, I would never exchange my son, but like, come on, if I could get a do over on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a little Wouldn't easier. mind a do over on that one. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's, it's made life really it. hard. So it's interesting yeah. seeing like how people are now conceptualizing, like, do we want to have children? Because you only have a couple of years to think about it. Right. And it's interesting. I work with, um, or a lot of my friends are women who are, you know, around my age or a little younger, a little older, but a lot of them don't have children. And so in a way it became very standard in my life mm-hmm. just for people not to have children. Yeah. And, um, which is just interesting. I think it's kind of tied to like my career choices and stuff like that. But, um, but then some of them had started having children kind of late too. I mean, for yeah. childbearing, you know, so there was yeah. a wave of people in their early forties suddenly yeah. having just babies. Like, God, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And it can be a lot of trouble then. Yeah, <laughs> it really it is. Happen. Yeah. It yeah. is. I know women like that also. And I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where you can't undo it. Right. You know, once right. you go all the way, like, I'm, you know, I'm dating this man now who is just a yeah. dream. I adore him. He's so cute. I love this man. He drives yeah. me bonkers. Um, <laughs> we've only been together six months, but like it, you know, mm-hmm. so like the things have come up about, you know, marriage, which he's apparently not sure about, but babies, he yeah. thinks he's pretty into babies. So. Aww, well, <laughs> like, that's well, nice. you've never been up at two in the morning getting vomited on right. so it's right. really cute that you romanticize like, that babies they're so great when they're mm-hmm. yeah, so exactly well, <laughs> let me tell you about um, vietnam motherfucker right, right. i was there i was in the shit you know? it is you are in the shit and then you know the, the couples i see that you know or you know our age who aren't you know yeah. our grandparents age the couples i see who last the longest don't have kids and they have their own lives and there's a lot of respect on both yeah. sides yeah like and mad think- respect Oh, yeah. And I think you have to have space to be like a person and not just mm-hmm. a spouse or, you know, not mm. just a partner. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means because I don't think anyone goes into a marriage thinking, oh, I'm going to turn my spouse into just my spouse, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know, like a fairly egalitarian attitude. Like there's never been a sense in our marriage. And it's just been natural that one of us was going to sacrifice everything for the other person. Yeah. Um, it, my husband runs his own business and he works mm-hmm. virtually. So that's actually mm. little practical things like that have been nice because uh-huh. like I got a job opportunity in Seattle. He could just pick up and go, you know, I oh, mean, that's there were, nice. some of the stresses that, that happened. Mm-hmm. We haven't had extreme financial difficulties. Some of the stresses that really weigh on marriages, we've just frankly been mm-hmm. lucky. Um, so, so did you guys get sober at the same time? Did you quit drinking at the same time? Kind of. So he had mm-hmm. cut back about, um, I guess, a couple months before I quit. And mm-hmm. then he was incredibly supportive and wasn't drinking around me yeah. and was a lot less. And I think he, he had like his last drink probably about four or five months after I did. So mm-hmm. he's coming up on, on three years. Mm, that's amazing. And, yeah. And, and you never, it's so funny. Like I never would have thought, I mean, we had a great time you know, for a long time mm-hmm. drinking together, you know, drinking mm-hmm. in Venice and drinking in Tokyo mm-hmm. and just having lots of drinks everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I never would have, and it seemed glamorous. Like that was how you were a young, hip, childless couple mm-hmm. about town, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I never saw us being, I never thought we'd want to be on the other side of it. And now I don't think either one of us can imagine it going back. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I'm, what he says, and hopefully he won't mind me quoting this, is you get to a point where, you start looking down the road and you're like, am I going to be one of those senior citizens or retirees who just drinks all day? Yeah. That is like, for him, that was, I'd never considered this, but he was like, you know, someday you've got nothing but time on your hands and I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Totally. Me either. So, so so does he, I mean, do you consider yourself an alcoholic? It's, it's so funny. I've been thinking about this lately because I was going back and looking at some of my old blog entries and mm-hmm. I didn't at first because I think I just did, couldn't even handle it, mm-hmm. that thought. And, and then I do, and I think I do, but I, for me, it's now more of like a, it's an easy shorthand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way of thinking about how like alcohol is just um, like Holly from Hip Sobriety says like, it's something I don't fuck with. Yeah, and, I like that. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of think of it that way. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think of it so much as like a, I guess, a disease model, but it's mm-hmm. definitely something I absolutely cannot fuck with. It's not like, yeah. oh, I just feel better like this. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not ruining my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think the answer is yes. Probably. That's interesting. What about well, you? I mean, well, I mean, it's interesting. Um, for me, you know, being on the other side of that, like, I got sober you know, very young, um, the man I was married to was a drug and alcohol counselor. Right. And he didn't think you had a problem, right? (laughs) That's what he told me. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? I'm sitting here fantasizing about doing cocaine. And you're like, I really think you could drink again. And I'm like, I could probably murder you with my bare hands. Um, but no, I, uh, I think, geez, you know, for me, it was, it wasn't like, necessarily the way to describe the way that I am although I came to learn that you know as I learned more about addiction and more about alcoholism I'm like all of this stuff makes sense it's apparent you know I have all the symptoms there's no reason that I wouldn't be this but for me it was like you know got getting sober on my own and staying that way for almost three years Mm -hmm. um 
for me, it was the it was the code word that I had to say for the pay to play that is Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Right. And it's like right out of the gate, you know, that third tradition is that, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. But for me, it that wasn't enough. And in order to work the steps and to be like in the club, you have to say, I am an alcoholic and I am. So they didn't feel like a hardship, but that yeah. was the first time that I really said it out loud. Same, same for me. At the, actually, at the only AA meeting I've, I've been to today, <laughs> that was the first time I ever I said it I love that out story. Loud. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, and it felt strange. And, and it, yeah, it didn't feel like I was saying something that wasn't true, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of rankled at this idea that if I wouldn't say it, it would be interpreted as like being mm-hmm. in denial, you know, even so if I holding out or they don't right. have to convert you. Right. Yeah. Even if I never, even if I never had any intention to drink again and it transformed my life and all that, <laughs> you know, like when I walked in, I remember I, I introduced myself and this, this young woman said, um, I said, Oh, I'm, I'm 18 months sober. And she said, wow, you've still been, you've really been doing it the hard way. And because Whoa. it was my first AA meeting and I was oh. kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's not actually been that hard and I've had mm-hmm. support and it just wasn't this kind of support. Yeah. And so there was a little bit of that kind of assumption that, mm-hmm. you know, there's only one way to really get sober um, yeah. that, that kind of bugged me about it. And so, and mm-hmm. same with the, oh, you have to say you're an alcoholic. Um, yeah, yeah. You have to go through the indoctrination thing and yeah. But pay to play is a good way to describe it. it I was, think like just yeah. like the God stuff doesn't really speak to me either, but it was kind of like, mm-hmm. it didn't bother me. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not an atheist per se. I'm just not religious. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's like when you pledge allegiance to the flag and say under God, it's just like mm-hmm. for me, maybe because I'm just shallow, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. So I was I think that's, yeah. to say these things, you know, it didn't upset mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been interesting. I mean, Again, like I, I came to AA physically sober, you know, mm-hmm. mentally pretty with it, um, and it was it was interesting for me. You know, my first group that I belonged to, uh, their the n- nickname is the Godless Group. Okay. Um, so they're all like old hippies who are twenty plus years sober. Um, yeah. You know, they they all like do Buddhism and like yoga right. and shit, and they're it's the they're Northwest, hard, Northwest exactly AA. hardcore like Portland old people AA. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. all boomers who are like really into being agnostic about everything. And yeah, and um, you know, there was a lot of um, and you know, and and they're intellectuals. I mean, my first sponsor had like a PhD in engineering and like a daily. Yeah. You know, like she was just really fucking smart, and um, and I I'm grateful for the support of that group, and I'm grateful that I didn't feel like I had to take the whole program at once, um, because my feelings towards that, you know, as well as my feelings towards alcoholism and recovery and really everything, um, has changed. And I think that if you told me like you have to believe this shit, or you're going to drink again, I would have I would have just walked out. Um, I, I, I really appreciate that people told me right out of the gate, like, you don't have to believe any of this stuff. You might want to try doing something different because what you're doing isn't working. So, I mean, I, I ask because, you know, it's in, in AA, I do see couples who come in together, you know, couples whose sobriety dates are the same or, you know, within a month or two of each other. There's one couple I know who have collectively been, you know, they, they've each been sober for almost a decade. They got sober close to the same time. He got sober in prison, and she got sober while she was waiting for him to get out. They're heroin addicts. And um, and their relationship is very much defined by recovery. And so I wonder what it's like to go through those like emotional changes with somebody mm-hmm. 
you know, without the support of a program or without like a, a group that you go to together. I mean, that's, that's really yeah. fucking brave. Well, for us, it was just kind of organic. Is the, mm-hmm. And so it was, um, but I do think, you know, you hear so much about couples who, who go through this and like, they're not in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we definitely weren't. I mean, I remember there were a couple of times when I was sober and I've been sober like a few weeks and mm-hmm. John would, you know, he would just go out, you know, he'd go out to see friends and he'd come home having had like, you know, a couple of drinks or something, not like crazy mm-hmm. drinking, but just even smelling it would yeah. give me this sense of like, not like rage exactly, yeah. but just kind of like feeling separate from him. Yeah. Like really separate. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling really separate from everyone anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I, I do think in some ways it would have been interesting to have like a common language at the start, the, the mm-hmm. kind of thing that AA or a program can give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just didn't have that. We just kind of had mm. our own, like, I think in any long marriage, you kind of have your twin language. Yeah. Um, Aw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which can yeah. be cute or creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I want, I want that. I want that. I get it. You'll get it. No, um, no, no. I haven't had any offers, so let's yeah, not worry well. about it. Oh, we'll cross <laughs> no, that bridge no, when no. we come to it. Yeah, well, yeah. There's, there's time. Well, this is kind of personal, but did you guys ever talk about what you would do if one of you relapsed or started drinking again? We, we have talked about it just a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. and I think at the, I think because we are both still so relatively newly sober, you know, mm-hmm. just a few years, although solid, um, mm-hmm. it's not something we think would mm-hmm. happen, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's always, it's always, um, a risk. I certainly yeah. don't think it would, it wouldn't be like a thing where I'd be like, oh, I'm going to leave you if you drink again or something yeah. like that. You know, it was never that kind of, we, our behavior was not that extreme. It was more like we were just kind of frittering our time away. Um, But I think it would be an issue. It would be, I think for both of us, we would just want, I think we would each want to get clean again, you Mm know, Mm -hmm. Um, because it would be such kind of like a death of the soul to start again. It just would be tragic, I think. Mm -hmm. No, even yeah, if it's I can imagine. just low level, just kind of, it's just hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. I think our lives are such an order of magnitude better. Mm-hmm. And anyone from the outside would have thought they were perfect to begin with. Yeah. You know, and from the outside, they don't look that different probably, but they are. There's that internal shift. Have you yeah. read, or uh, you've probably seen it, but, or seen or read uh, Revolutionary Road? Is that you know the this- Richard? The Richard Gates. Yeah, Richard yeah. Gates. And then they made a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and God, Kate Winslet. The movie was so depressing. The movie was fucking de- oh. like that's a, that's kind of God. what my marriage was like. It was devastating. Oh, oh it was, was just a tra- it was a trap. Yeah. It's like you're an intelligent woman, but you can't leave. That's um, right. Her character, I really, oh, I mean, oh, she was, was amazing horrific. in that. She was amazing. Yeah. But the, like the whole first, I don't know how well you remember it, but like the whole first third of that. Yeah. You know, both the, the film, which is a great adaptation of the book, yeah. um, was like, they have so much hope and they have that yeah. like common drive and they're both invested in this dream. Right. And then the rest of it is like, you know, there's the turn where it becomes apparent that like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And there is this like yeah. emotional relapse for him. He's the one who bails yeah. out. 
And he's like, I'm not going to do this. I don't believe in it anymore. I don't believe in us. I believe in doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. And I think that that's kind of what kills the marriage, yeah. you know, it's like the giving up of hope. And, and I think about, you know, for me, I think about drinking in the same way. It's just like you said, it would be a death of the soul. It's a total yeah. surrender. And I'm just not willing, I'm not willing to go there again. You know, no. I... I like having, a, you know, it may be not always grounded in reality, but I enjoy right. having a certain measure of hope in my life. Me too. Exactly. Like I do. It's nice. That, you know? <laughs> I'm an optimist when I'm sober. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's the funny thing. This is something that, that Don and I laugh about is like all those things where they're like, oh, alcohol is a depressant, you know, like, like mm. I knew that, but I didn't think it applied to me personally. Same. <laughs> Same. I always say, like, there's a reason we call it active addiction is because you put it in my body and I do shit. Right, right. I do shit. I drive, I drive drunk and I go shopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wake up yeah. in funny clothes and weird plate. Like, all kinds right. of weird shit happens to me. Yeah. Very yeah. active. But and I totally... Happen. No, no, I can actually, mm. I mean, I still make stupid decisions sometimes, but it's, I make them consciously, you know, <laughs> I think about them. I chose this life. I chose to wake up in these clothes, um, but I good. really just kind of looked over the fact that I was like, I always, cause I had always struggled with depression and anxiety, you know, to a, like mm. a high functioning mm -hmm. degree, but I always thought, oh, well, once I get a handle on these, then I'll drink less. Mm -hmm. And I had it totally backwards, you know, and, and now I look back and I'm like, you know, if you would just realize that when people say alcohol depresses the central nervous system, that included you and your yeah. body. Yeah. As soon as I quit, like within a couple of weeks, I mean, the depression I dealt with for decades probably got 50% better. I mean, it's never, oh, you know, it's, wow. I still take medication for it. It's not going to, it's yeah. just my, my thing, but yeah. it's. I mean, it dramatically better. And all I had to wow. do was give up the thing that I thought was helping mm -hmm. me. The self-medication stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. It was incredible. And I don't know, you know, I don't, I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea mm -hmm. when I quit. I just wanted to stop the bleeding, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, oh, it's it's been this process of realizing that I'm sort of like an ordinary person because I... Mm -hmm. I do think that addicts have a way of thinking themselves as somehow special in ways that are good and bad mm -hmm. you know like i'm a special snowflake like oh, oh very yeah <laughs> the system is different or i don't no, need this or, no i that i i hear that a lot i mean i hear those words come out of my mouth um i feel like you know in terms of of being special i don't know i mean I, as a writer i think you really have to hang on to that because if yes. you're not being special then what the fuck are you doing right because no um, one else cares correct yep. <laughs> i believe in me said the tiny right. speck of dust right right um but like the other side of that is you know i i feel like in terms of being special and being an addict like i i acknowledge that i am ex in the extreme a statistical anomaly yeah that's, yeah. you know, many, many, many people out there who, you know, like, like, you know, like me, who have done the things that we've done, who've made the choices that we made, who imbibed the way that we imbibed, mm -hmm. um, you know, who got loaded like that are not, al are not alive. Um, oh, or they yeah. have, or they have consequences, you know, just not even about like life and Direct. death, but yeah, right. they have consequences that we don't encounter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like. For me, like that's the special thing is is you know to be a sober addict is to have been struck by lightning many times and um, and to right. continue walking. 
Yeah. Oh, it's true. I mean, and, and you don't necessarily see that until you get out. If you haven't mm-hmm. had those consequences, if you didn't, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I, you know, I was never arrested. I never had a DUI. Mm-hmm. I certainly could have. Um, <laughs> you know, one. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah same. In fact, one of the, one of the fun things about getting sober for me was like, after like a year, I would almost get kind of excited if I would see a cop car behind me because I would, <laughs> I was like, I have nothing to fear, you know, la, la. I'd wanted them to pull me over and be Mm -hmm. like, miss. Would you walk the line? (laughs) Right. I'd be like, I will dance that line for you. And of course, Uh you know, no one ever, I think I once had a expired registration. They were as nice (laughs) as could be. But but it was kind of like the stuff that I didn't know I was worried about. Yeah. That suddenly I was like, oh yeah, talk to me, Mr. Police Officer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I will. I'll take your drug test. I'll take all your drug tests. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was, and I was like, oh, you're so easy to amuse now in some ways, because yeah. it was like coming back to life in this way where things that, you know, it gave me a way to feel accomplished without mm-hmm. having to, you know, um, build huge bridges or something. I was able yeah. just, it, while just living normally, <laughs> it was, yeah. I was like, oh, so awesome. You didn't you didn't drink a bottle of Chardonnay today. Like you're high a superhero. I need it. Yeah. You, you yeah. do. Well, I, still do that. I still think that. I'm just like, I'll have a mm-hmm. terrible day and yeah, but you know what? You're you're sober. And it's not mm-hmm. like I have to think about it every day or like I want to drink, but mm-hmm. I like to remind myself that I could dive into something bad mm-hmm. and I I didn't, you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I totally know that feeling. One thing that I heard in AA that I really liked was if your head hits the pillow at the end of the day and you are sober, you are a success. Yeah. Yeah. And that meant so much when I was in there, like in the early days when I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't have a job. I don't have anything. I don't have anybody who cares about me. Yeah. I'm broke. And, and you know, I, some days, some days that was the only thing that I did right was not pick up. Yeah, yeah. And and I had the same, I mean, I was in a, I've always been an overachiever. And mm-hmm. I work at a company where it's almost impossible to overachieve, like that the standards. <laughs> are like you, it's like, it was quoted somewhere as being like, where overachievers go to feel bad about themselves. Shit, overachievers a anonymous. Extreme, but, That's a lot. Yeah. But it, but it, it was a place where it was so hard to ever feel really successful. And I had internalized that and I had brought it with me to the job too. I mean, it was not, yeah. I can't blame all that on a company, but um, suddenly it was like, oh yeah, you didn't drink. You're amazing. And it was incredible yeah. for me to feel like that. I, I probably not since I was three or four years old, had I had such a low bar for success for myself. Wow. And um, it was kind of awesome. And now it's hard because, you know, now it's like, I do have, higher aspirations now. Yeah. I mean, we, we grow all the should. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've raised my expectations also. I don't want it's, to just you know. not drink for the rest of my life, but yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, like, you got to come back to it sometimes. It you does. Know? It does. You know, you get back to basics, keep it simple, keep coming yeah. back, all that and stuff. Yeah. That it's, it's enough sometimes. Yeah. You know? it, That's why I get is. worried when I see people who are newly sober, who are like, Today I gave up drinking. I gave up smoking. I started marathon training. I yeah. gave up sugar. I'm like doing oh my everything God. at once. Forget Please. it. No. Go have some sugar at least. Yeah. You know? I, I'm I'm not drinking, but I will eat that cookie. I yeah. will eat that cookie. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's like so, 
Yeah. Hmm. Well, I was thinking, you know, for me, when I stopped drinking, um, all of a sudden I had a ton of time on my hands. Yes. You know, and I don't know if you read it, but I, I, I'd written an essay, um, which is included in my short story collection. It's the first one, right? Right. Sober, edit sober about Mm -hmm. how I, you know, when I was, when I was using, um, I would just kind of go in circles again and again Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and I was trying so hard to be a real writer yeah. I felt like such a sham. And then I stopped drinking and it's like this fire was under me. Yeah. Um, and it took you he, about a year, right? Before it you started did. again? Yeah. yeah. And my brain kind of started coming back together into pieces. But like, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, about writing and, and about, you know, recovery. And, and I think for me, a big part of getting sober was just like, I have time to fill. Like I have ability yes. and I have all of a sudden I have the time. Uh, to put in the effort and actually see some results. And I wondered if you'd had the same thing. I did. And it was funny because at first, and I I think this is probably pretty common. um, At first, the time was, I was like, oh my God, what do I do with with this time? You know, like, I just (laughs) didn't know what to do. And I couldn't really Marathon training, no sugar. Yeah, exactly. I was like, something, something. I I couldn't really focus. And I would just kind of walk around my house and, oh, look at this. Oh, I'd look at my books and I couldn't really read. And and that Uh did not last. I mean, that lasted Mm. maybe a of weeks or something, um, which was a lot, yeah, which was a long time. But, um, but yeah, eventually I started thinking what a joy to have like all this mm. extra time, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And how did I fill it? I, it is funny. I'm actually writing an essay right now about um, the first summer I was sober. Cause I got sober in the summer, like the end of June. Oh, wow. And yeah, which is, a, I think summer is a hard time. Like looking back, I'm like, that's a yeah. tough time to get sober. Well, I um, loved your essay about, uh, is it at, at the all about staying sober at a wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so perfect for this season. Oh, it's wedding Jeez, season. It's Everybody wedding drinks. Season. Yeah. We don't think about, you know, going mm-hmm. to a wedding. Like the idea of staying sober at a wedding is just, I don't know. The first time I was invited to a sober wedding, it was like I had been invited to my own murder, you know? <laughs> oh, Jesus I, Christ. It's <laughs> like 20 years ago. I was like, what? Tell me that that's going in one of your essays, that line. God, that's good. Invited to your own murder. Hey, would you please show up and impale yourself on this spike? Right, right. That's how it felt. Like, how do we handle this? But I I was like, so I suddenly realized there was like a world around me, but there also wasn't a lot to do that didn't involve drinking. So I started doing all these really, really wholesome things. Like I made my husband go with me to a petting farm. Um, <laughs> in the area. We went to every state fair. I think we went to like three or four carnivals and Washington state fairs where oh I gosh. did everything. It wasn't like in and out and ride a couple roller coasters. Yeah. It was like I looked at the gourds. I looked wow. At the, the sheep. That's, that's an experience. <laughs> Good for you. So I'm calling it like the, the, the working title is like my Mennonite summer. And although I've been that's researching the, the Mennonite necessarily like all really super farmy a lot of them are very mm-hmm. modern people but um it's true it's true i know it's for the sake of my essay i wish i hadn't found that out because now i have to come up with a new title it but does kind of spoil things but you I know, know they're contemporary they're my grandma is obsessed with mennonites so i know too okay. much but but yeah there i mean there are some folks and you could also pick another sect there are other yeah. there's shakers, there are other groups the there's sh- shakers yeah. quakers amish mennonites you know yeah. they're out there yeah. So, I, I so you lived this like time. super pure life for the first I did. time. I did. That's and I ate so my cool. ass off. I mean, we would yeah. eat. Yeah. Like, what if we 
fry, funnel cakes, fried chicken. <gasps> the best. Yeah. So it was <laughs> very pure kind of like, let's go to the, let's go mm-hmm. on a hayride sort of thing. And um, it was really fun. I don't, but I it don't know fun. what, it was almost like I was saying to John recently, it was, it was this very strange kind of like, I'm becoming American or re-becoming American. Mm-hmm. Like I had this strange idea of like, this is what Americans do. And I wasn't mm-hmm. American while I was drinking. And now I am. I don't yeah. I understand the whole psychodrama in my head, but, but it was hilarious. And like, it was great. I haven't had mm-hmm. a summer like that since. Cause I've now I'm you know, <laughs> now you're used to it. writing and you know, now I'm used to it. Yeah. And then That's I started cool. writing and I had all this time to write, but, um, but yeah, that first summer was marvelous. I only wish I'd gone to Disneyland also. That's my Oh, favorite. newly sober. That would be amazing. That's the best. Oh, that would be would magic. Just, I want to go. How fun. Yeah. yeah all, all those new experiences. It's so, I don't know, they're so delicious early on. Um, you know, it's like your first, your first sober kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things, you know. Um, is it Caroline Knapp who wrote Drinking a Love Story? Yeah, which I love. Yeah, when she... Oh, she's so fucking good. Um, yeah. But her, you know, her her comparison is that like getting sober is like leaving an abusive boyfriend. Yeah, um, where it's like a it's a relationship that's essentially gone bad. And I always really like right. that um, yeah. because I relate to that. But for me, you know, getting sober was more like, you know, sort of it was like being in, in a canoe for a long period of time, crossing an mm-hmm. ocean. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. When you right. see an island, what you hope is an island in the distance and, yeah. and just kind of paddle towards it. I mean, for me, I yeah. felt like, you know, getting sober was, was coming back to a country that I'd, I'd forgotten about. I mean, yeah. I, I started drinking when I was really young. Um, yeah. Like, you know, young? like, like a lot of us, not like crazy, you know, stupid young, but you know, I was, yeah, I would like 14, 15 or something, 14, 15. I can remember, you know, our, one of our chores in the evening was, um, you know, doing the dishes after dinner so that mm-hmm. my parents could, you know, finally rest. They both worked very hard. Yeah. And, uh, I can remember standing in the kitchen, like methodically polishing off the glasses of wine the leftover wine oh yeah at you know 13 14 you know wow. and then at some point picking up the uh the uncorked bottle of um I think it was Cabernet not that it mattered yeah. I don't have much of a right. nose at that age <laughs> um and just taking this long pull off of it and and knowing that uh that my actions and movements were completely silent and that yeah. you know my parents and my sister in the next room uh had no idea what I was doing and feeling really like weirdly empowered by that right? Um, right. and ha- having the secret, you know, I mean, the, the idea at that time of going to a fair without a pill in my pocket or, you know, something, um, you know, I, I had, I had little, little things hidden everywhere. And so, you know, for me, it really was like, like I'd gotten my visa to this other right. country where all of a sudden the language was different. The food tasted different. The light was different. You know, yeah. people treated me yeah. differently too. Um, yeah. And, no. and the, what I like about the idea of it being like leaving an abusive relationship is that mm-hmm. for me, it was like almost like the idea of a, a relationship that maybe isn't abusive, but had become toxic because they yeah. don't always start out that way. You know, like, like mm-hmm. it didn't start that way for me. Although when I mm-hmm. look back, I think I probably never really drank like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I always liked it a little too much, mm-hmm. but it was this idea of like, I finally left this bad relationship and mm-hmm. as hard as it was, the sec- as soon as I did it, I pretty much knew that I had done the right thing, you know, yeah. and, and start seeing those, those benefits. I started feeling better pretty fast, but I, yeah. you know, I think like you were in a tough situation, I think, you know, when you got sober. <laughs> You were so young and you were... That's going to be my memoir title. A Tough Situation. The Claire Foster story. Challenging set of circumstances. man. You could not pay me to do that shit over again. Oh, my God. Whereas I was in a pretty... Aside from my drinking problem, you know, I was in Mm -hmm. a pretty... I was married. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, like... Pretty stable. settled, like stable, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, and in a place where I could I could kind of cocoon myself, and mm-hmm. so it's like as far as like, and I try to remember that sometimes when I when I find myself feeling smug about like, well, I got sober, why can't other people, you know? Yeah. Like, I think you also. I had resources. I had a therapist. Like mm-hmm. I, I was set up for success, mm-hmm. and you were um, ready, and I was ready. I was done. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was really, really done, yeah. um, which I think that maybe I had to be that the age I was too. I mean, I was 43. Like that's old enough to have figured out that it's mm-hmm. not getting any better. <laughs> yeah. It's about as there. good as it gets probably. Yeah. 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 It hasn't know. gotten good by now. It ain't going right. proof. <laughs> yeah. One way elevator. Um, so you started so writing. Yeah. So uh, I started writing like a year later and I had mm-hmm. been a writer. I mean, I had gotten my, um, my MFA when I was 24, I went straight from undergrad to, to grad yeah. school. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I just kind of drifted away. And it, it's actually funny. I was telling John the other day, I was, I was on a run. And sometimes when I'm on a run, I just think crabby thoughts, or I just think, terrible, you know, crabby, no, but, but I suddenly out of nowhere was like, I walked around feeling like a disappointment for 20 years. Oh, wow. And it was this really like whoa moment, mm-hmm. and um, and I really did. I think from the time because I'd been kind of a child prodigy, you know, kind of like a wonderkind, and mm-hmm. and by the time I was like twenty five and not famous, <laughs> I think I thought I kind of just gave up, and and I realized, yeah, just the other day that I, in some ways, even as I was like achieving in all these other areas of my mm-hmm. life, like there was a part of me that thought you're you've wasted your talent you're done you're done yeah Mm -hmm. and and I was just shocked to realize that and I and I could feel it start to lift off me this idea that I that I you know I thought well you weren't a disappointment yet at the same time I know now that I'm doing what I should be doing yeah and I I I think I think you are I think you are yeah I think so I mean I uh I gosh, I feel like Portland and maybe Seattle is this way too, but Portland, you know, you can't turn a corner without tripping over some young bright thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I realized that at 32, I'm definitely like the the sage crone on this topic, but you know, there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, mid twenties, you know, Mm -hmm. full of potential, um, you know, who don't, have the problems that I had at that age. And I I think it's really a temptation to compare myself and say, well, when I was your age, I was fill in the blank so that I could get, you know, all that stuff. When I was your age, I was living in my car with my 18 month old. Hmm? Right. Right. Oh, I was, tell me again about your fucking fellowship. 
Sounds yeah, great. exactly. Oh, What's it like being able to leave night. town? Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you go yeah. to Prodigy Camp again this summer? Right. You know, it's right. hard not to compare and feel bitter, but at the same time, when I look at the quality of their work, yeah. um, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this earlier. How I don't, you know, for me to be forgiving of my younger self is very hard. Yeah. Um, and to to acknowledge that person and to say the words out loud, like it's not a crime to be naive. Yeah, it's not a crime to be naive. I've met people who are way better than I am or probably ever will be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've met them and they're still young. They're still young. And I think that if you had approached me at that age, you know, at 25 or younger, you know, at 19, when I was just all liquid courage. Right. um, Fuck you. I'm doing this. Right. I, I think that I, I don't think that I would have really understood what you were talking about. But if you told me, you know, if you told me at 22, you've got a decade ahead of you of hard work. Like, but if you work hard every day for 10 years, you will have your heart's desire. You bet your ass I would be down there scrubbing floors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think the fear is that there's no end point to what we do. Yeah, that, you know, like you said, just, does this yeah. mean I'm going to be sober forever? Does this mean I'm going to be writing and like, you know, I'm going to be putting up fucking blog posts forever and this is my life and this is as far as it goes? Is this, is there, is there a prize? (laughs) I had to really struggle with that when I started writing again, because I am, when I first started, all I cared about was that I was writing. And I remember saying to friends, like, I don't even care if anyone ever reads it. And of course, Mm. you know, that didn't last because eventually I was like, okay, I want to be read. And yeah. I started to get a little bit of attention. And then, you know, I got an agent and I was, mm. it was like, okay, I want to get a book deal. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, my, that essay blew up like six weeks ago. Like yeah. beyond That's any, insane. It was, in, so, it was insane. So perfect and so deserved. And so like, talk about a but, lightning strike. Oh my lunacy. God. Lunacy. Well, okay. Yeah, it, quick question. Did that that essay that the Anjali essay was that self-published? Because yeah. you just yeah. stuck that on Medium. I just stuck it on Medium. Holy! Shit. I just was like I hadn't I hadn't published anything like an essay in a while, mm-hmm. and I thought oh, I'm going to do this, and and I knew that I was getting close to a point where maybe my book deal was going to come together, and I was hoping to yeah. maybe move that along a little faster. That that mm-hmm. I think that worked. Um, and <laughs> I sounds like it. <laughs> and I had no idea. I mean, wow. it was like it, I stopped even being able to track what happened after a while, yeah, you know, but you it was, can. You're it everywhere. was so hilarious. My, um, my office mate would be like, Oh, have you seen slate? And I would know that she was talking. It was about me. About you. you know? <laughs> about you because everybody was, wanted a piece of that essay. Yeah. And it was rarely like anything. I mean, for a lot of them, it was like, do I want to see this or not? And she'd mm-hmm. be like, let me read it. You know, me, what headline did they put on it this time? Right. What are they <laughs> mad at me about this time? You know, exactly. Like, um, what must so be so was, interesting, you know, just to like, yeah. not just to have that kind of success, which I, I think there's way more of that coming your way. Um, so I hope you get comfortable with that kind of exposure, <laughs> frankly. Um, I, but I already have a new normal, I think, which is nice. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, no, no, no more ramen on Friday nights for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of money coming my way (laughs) I mean well the money will come um but but like to be launched so dramatically into the mainstream 
you know, so yeah. much in the public eye so rapidly and on a subject on, on the subject of sobriety. Um, yeah. I mean, you seem, I mean, I've never met you in person, but you seem like a, you not know, yet. A, 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 not yet. I'm, I know where to drive north. I can find <laughs> yes, Seattle. I five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can find the I five corridor and stay on yes. it. I'm sober. Um, right. but like, it's such a recovery is such a personal subject and you yeah. know, sobriety is so individual. And so how did it feel being thrown into the spotlight, you know, for, uh, on a subject that is so that personal. So yeah. yeah. Cause you were really honest and really, you know, the details in that essay are really, yeah. really touching for, for me. Um, well, so I wonder how you feel about that. It was, well, there was a way it was kind of funny because once it started to, I mean, it's not like I, I did self-publish it. You know, it was like I wanted mm-hmm. to be read, but it mm-hmm. was, I had no idea I was going to be read to the extent that I was or beyond recovery circles. And it's funny because one of mm. my fears has always been, oh, no one who's not interested in sobriety is going to want to read any of this stuff. And now we know that that's <laughs> true um, because I've heard from lots of people who, you know, yeah. they, they're not necessarily that interested in sobriety or feminism or the common, you know, but they were like, I really enjoyed this. So so I was kind of, I, I definitely felt very exposed. And then I had to think, well, you know, you did, what did you think was going to happen, right? Like this mm-hmm. is success. Um, yeah. I think the things that made me feel the most exposed were not people who just had, it, it was people, actually, I'll tell you that the people who were also in recovery, who said mean things about me were, were probably the people who made me feel the most Ooh. naked. Oh, um, yeah, I think I a lot of imagine. the other stuff, and there were lots of wonderful things people said too, but there were some mm-hmm. very personal, like, oh, she seems like a bitch, or, you know, like, she's, oh, <laughs> she's, like, fun to have around, you know? Wow. <laughs> that, you know, and things from other women were a little difficult. Yeah. I think there were women who felt like I was judged, like, any woman who has a glass of wine is a tool of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Um, but, but it For was, the record, were, there are many ways to smash the patriarchy. Drinking exactly. is a great place, you know, not drinking is a great place to start. Right. It's For all the women out one. there, when you put the booze down, it's easier to smash the patriarchy. Your yeah, aim is better. Get this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is the part we left that's kind of implied in the essays because you're going to get angry. <laughs> yeah, <first>. government warning. <laughs> Putting this yeah. bottle down may lead to extreme fits extreme of being woke. <laughs> Added room, you know, for oh, a little bit. Oh God! But, but yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that. It yeah, just, it just seems stupid. I mean, I, I get the same response. Like, yeah. I don't understand how somebody could read your essay or you know read one of mine for that matter and yeah. then think that they know me. Right. Well, you know, you and I had talked when we were thinking about this podcast about this idea of mm-hmm. transparency and yeah. And I had read this quote because I'm I have my my book of essays which is coming out you know now and then mm-hmm. I also have a novel I'm working on and, Ooh, and exciting. Cheryl, yeah I've been writing that for like a long time two years or something it's gonna it's gonna wait longer now that yeah I've, I'm under contract for a book but um Cheryl <sighs> Strayed, I heard her say you know when if you write a novel and people don't like your they they may not like the characters in your novel but if you write memoir they will think they love or hate you yeah. And it's, personal. and it's personal. And, and she, and, and I thought at the time that seemed very 
theoretical. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I think a month later, I published Anjali. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is very palpable in my own life now. Yeah. But it was like people would think, and even some of the love was like just intense, you know, like mm-hmm. that they hate me. And the thing yeah. about that essay is it is honest and it is true and it is personal, mm-hmm. but it's also constructed. Mm-hmm. You know, every little. It's not thing, a diary entry. No. And every yeah. bit is it's something I decided to put in or take out. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and it was just kind of like, so it was interesting to see that people, they think they know you mm-hmm. or they feel like they know you based on this. And I'm thinking you're seeing what I think is a true vision of me, but it, it is a persona because yeah. my daily voice isn't, you know, I don't walk around being like fascinating no. all the time. Right. I'm just, <laughs> well, I think I'm for debate. I'm for debate. Cute. Okay. Hey. Hey. Hi. Uh, Hi. I tried to text you. We cut off for about five minutes, about five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The best five minutes. We dropped and called back in. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. Um, so but it was really good up yeah, to that that's, point. That's a since right now trademark. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. one of you fucked this up? Yeah, some, <laughs> thank you. This is a team effort. Yeah, exactly. But I think we, we all fucked We don't it blame up. Storm on this show. Yeah. <laughs> blame Storm. <laughs> blame Storm? I'm willing to bet it's the one with no beard. <laughs> it is, yeah. We mostly blame Chris for technical difficulties. Hashtag so blame Storm. See, you've learned quickly on oh. who we blame. Yeah. Yep, goes team wrong. asshole right here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I literally have an emoji sad face on my face right now. Um, oh, good. But, uh, so sad. Um, no, but, it, uh, you know, so we like 50, 53 minutes of podcast. Right yeah. now we're actually live to uh, oh, wow. the, the last four that are hanging on. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Denise, Megal, Megan, Laura, and Kat. Yeah. Hey, y'all. All right. Um, Hi, guys. And, Hi, uh, everybody. little upset one of them isn't my mom, but that's okay. I'll and uh, I, I apologize, but like like they said, it wouldn't be a, a Since Right Now episode yeah. if uh, there wasn't a technical <laughs> difficulty. <laughs> Something didn't go wrong. Yeah. Um, but, but, and congratulations to you two. That was fantastic. Oh that was gosh. awesome. Was it good? Yeah. I, it was embarrassingly good. Yeah. We're, we're, we just started we're, chatting like girlfriends. And at some point I was like, oh my God, we're on the radio. Yeah. Well, we're trying to figure out what our next uh, next play is because uh, this is clearly over for us. So we'll just be like. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Claire and Christy. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Yeah, it was really, really fantastic. Well, maybe we can come back for seconds. Yeah, yeah we should. Maybe. No, well, uh, we're both very busy. <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, well yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, the show doesn't have to be every week. Um, and uh, let's see what the fans have to say. Yeah, they may be like, <laughs> right. "That was fine. Once was enough." No, it was. That's great. a lot of vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Too much vocal fry. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, yeah. I, Thanks for, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was phenomenal. It was yeah. wonderful. It was so cool to be a, a, a listener to our uh, our time slot. I don't, yeah. In case you know what we talk about when you're not around. If you could have heard the hyperbole right. being slung around this room, yeah. it would have embarrassed you. Because <laughs> um, I'm a little embarrassed by it. But no, you got, it was really, really Wow. So, yeah. That was awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. We were just chatting on um, our 
our downtime about, uh, you know, how we have to visit at some point. Cause we only live like two and a half hours apart, five yeah. in bad traffic. <laughs> true. Um, yeah. That's true. Well, yeah. No, I would love to, I would love to get together. I think that'd yeah. be cool. Can you have coffee? Can do do can the next know, episode you know? in person. Until, uh, or actually you have to wait, but if you do it, can we, can we try to uh, do I'm I'm going to be up there. November oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna be up in for Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving other, in Olympia. PNW uh, listeners and and people that yeah uh, yeah. So um, I will be around. So okay. I'm not traveling at Thanksgiving because okay. I don't like to ever leave the Northwest. So well, yeah, I know it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna be in Olympia. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> like 40, forty-one hours in uh, moderate traffic. So. 41 hours. Yeah. We'll 41 there you go. Yeah. So if you leave now, <laughs> right. we can see you Sunday. No, right. See you then. I'll be buried somewhere. Right. That would be totally yeah. fun. We, we could do a live thingamajig. That and, would be really fun. You know, we could podcasts. do it. Fun. Yeah. You, you know, Christy, what I would like to do if we yeah. get together and end up taping something is if, um, is if maybe we could both read a little bit out of our projects. That would be great. Be I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, terrific. So you're already innovating in our time slot. Right. <laughs> um, just blowing the wide open. Just no slow problem. Slow your roll a little bit. Okay. You're making us look really bad. <laughs> 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 it's like, you know what else we can do? Hey, we're the guests. That's we're right. the guests. Wait, you're, no, you're That's the host right. right now. We're the guests on your show right now. Oh, oh now we are. Damn. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, guest host but we just barged in so and actually cut your feed so. oh <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, too much fun yeah, turn that shit off mad, Chris. um so i i do apologize for that but you well, know, it was uh, totally have to come back and do it again oh. it's a cliffhanger yeah yes okay it's a cliffhanger like literally mid-sentence and, and a proverbial it was really good though now you'll never know cliff right. yeah, <laughs> somebody, awesome. somebody megan on the chat just said chris Claire and Christy just own the shit out of SRN. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So, all right. I'm going to play you guys off stage. <laughs> all right. I'm okay. miss you. <laughs> Fine. Bye. 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 <laughs> Later, Gator. Bye. Bye. Intervention.